This is the special release of Talking Tactics, where we show you the career-making power of a single, clever tactic idea. I'm your host, Diana Kibiltz, Strategy Director at Ology, and this is what I have for you. Five inspiring episodes, five higher ed pros you'll recognize, each with a story of a single tactic that opened up doors in their career and in some cases, even redefined the norms of how we do our work in higher ed. Join me as we take a trip down memory lane to their early career moments, the challenge they had to solve, and the tactic that did the trick. After all, if a single tactic defined the trajectory of their career, what's stopping you from defining yours? Are you ready? Let's talk tactics. Hello, 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 Tactic Friends. Welcome to another episode in this special release of the Talking Tactics podcast, where each episode welcomes one of higher education's most recognizable names, who is here to share a tactic they tried early in their career. And this tactic opened up the doors, or some doors, and started the path to the success they have today. You're just going to love my guest today, because I mean... Honestly, who wouldn't? My fantastic guest is John Stephen Stansel, Mr. Say It Louder for the people in the back. (laughs) JS is an award-winning social media professional and basically our higher ed social media authority, if you ask me, with over a decade of experience managing, building, and creating content for brand social media accounts. He has run social media accounts for Amazon Prime's Invincible animated series, Hyper RPG, Better Place Forests, the University of Central Arkansas, Texas State University, and the Texas Department of Transportation. Oof, I need a breath after all that. As well as consulting for many television series, films, and small businesses. As director of social media for Chaotic Good Studios, JS worked on social media strategy and content for, wait for it, Avatar, The Way of Water, which was beautiful, by the way, and Amazon Prime's videos, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, also beautiful, among several other major entertainment franchises. Listeners, this is the moment where we all stand up and we bow to John Stephen Stansel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That's quite quite the intro. Yeah, I no, know. No need to bow at all. I it's, feel uh, I feel like I need a I needed like at least four pauses in between all the things that you've done. Just incredible. <laughs> it's it's been a wild journey for sure. Yeah. So what are you up to these days? So I'm I'm back doing freelance work. I'm currently working on Invincible season two, which premieres next month. So we're right in the, the swing of that. Uh, as as we're recording this right now, it's New York Comic Con. So. Uh, all kinds of stuff going on there uh, with Invincible and um, one of my other clients, uh, Black Market Narrative, an mm-hmm. imprint that does co- the comic books Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, and No One on Image Comics. So uh, yeah. that's keeping me pretty busy this week. It's great. Honestly, it's like this is like the dream job, right? Or at least for those of us that romanticize it, it is. 
I have to pinch myself almost every day yeah. to work on stuff that I just I, – if you had asked me 10 years ago where I would be and, and you told it's, me this, I would have laughed at you. Like, there's no way. Well, um, how so. how interesting I am going to ask you 10 years ago where you thought you were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point of today's episode is to really take us back in time and uh, let us know, like, how your career started in, in higher education. And then we're going to keep we're going to ask you all the questions to understand exactly how you got to where you are today. Excellent. But take us back. Take us back in time. So um, around 2008, I had just re- I'd finished my master's degree. I went to Japan and taught English there for three years. Amazing. And 2008, which is a terrible. I thought, oh, now's a good time to come back to the States and and make my career right before the Great Recession. (laughs) And I was looking for a job like so many people, but also looking to keep up my Japanese. So I called the local Mm -hmm. university and said, hey, I'd like, you know, you have a conversation partner. They're like, well, what were you doing in Japan? I said, teaching English. Like, we have a job for you. Come teach English in our intensive English program. So I was doing that. My plan was to go back and get my PhD and teach literature eventually. Okay. Uh, but uh, you know, I was I was teaching English and um, started noticing that my students weren't paying attention to me; they were paying attention to their phones. And Ugh. I tried to figure out how other other teachers were like carrying in baskets and like put your cell phone in the basket. And I didn't yeah. want to treat my students like elementary school kids. I was like, yeah. how can we make this a tool and not a toy? And started introducing social media into my classes and just went from there. That's um so let let's let's establish a timeline here for a moment. 2008, I'm trying to think about where I was, what I was doing. Was Facebook already open for people like outside of EDU accounts? I think yes. 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 Uh yeah, to, to to set the scene. The iPhone came out in 2007 and smartphones were oh. just starting to get popular. Yeah. Twitter was just beginning, pretty 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 still pretty new and pretty fresh. Uh, you couldn't start Facebook pages yet. Right, um, right, right, you right. You just had profiles. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was still very, very early days before uh, social media as, as kind of we know it today. So here you are as an uh, English professor. You're seeing your students on these magical little boxes of devices with the internets on them. And you're thinking, hmm, how do I use that? How do I use that to connect with them? How? What a pioneer, Jess. <laughs> Um, so, all right. So what did you do? What did you do? So, um, at at first, you know, I was really into photography at the time. We had all of these, um, events and I would be the default photographer. I take pictures of, and I put it up on my personal Facebook page to share of students. It was the Mm -hmm. easiest way to do it, Mm -hmm. which is, that makes me cringe so hard right now. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's like, uh, but back then it was like, okay, whatever. And, um, now, and then they introduced groups and I was able to create a group for each course and trying to figure out ways that I could have a classroom outside the classroom where they could ask me questions, where they could consult with their peers, um, even to the fact like, you know, teacher, some other teachers were complaining like, oh, at the end of class, the students are like taking photos of the whiteboard and, and why, why can't they write notes? I'm like, no, this is great. They're yeah. using the technology in a way that works for them. And I was actually saying, okay, at the end of each class, who is going to take a picture of the whiteboard and share it to the group today? Uh, that is and so what I would cool. start noticing okay. is students were actually annotating the notes. You know, the photo had like handwritten annotations <laughs> as they posted it. Um, so really trying to figure out how to make that a tool. And then when they in, in created pages, we created a page for 
uh, our department. When, and then I could stop like sharing on my personal account and be like, okay, yeah. all the photos will be on the uh, Intensive English Program's Facebook page. And yeah. uh, was running running that. So here's what's really interesting. Thinking about to that 2008 and today, how <laughs> people are still using Facebook groups probably in very similar ways. And you are like you were doing it 15 years ago. That's incredible. I, I, I still haven't closed those groups. Oh, I probably need to do. I, I like a, to go back and like look at them. It's fun. A little throwback moment, a little nostalgia moment. Okay. And so I assume you didn't stay in that role of teaching forever. So what was the next career move that happened from there? So uh, what had happened was we hired a new director of international engagement and she saw what I was doing and was like, you know what? You're an adjunct on a year to year contract. Would you like to us to create a whole new role of international communications manager? You quit teaching, come over and just do this full-time to recruit for the, you know, we yeah. basically a one person marketing team. Uh, we, the school at the time didn't have any marketing material specifically for international students. So it was like manage the website, create print materials, yeah. do the socials, just a little bit of everything. Um, and um, I, Basically, I had just bought a house and was like, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a mortgage oh, payment. Stable so, employment? Yeah, stable employment yes. sounds really good. <laughs> uh, so I jumped on board and started doing that. And from there, that really started to, to, to get noticed, especially the social media side of it, as it was oh, starting yeah. to grow, really grow in popularity. So other departments started asking for my advice and like, hey, what would you do for something for the advising center? What about admissions? And, and so on and so forth. So started even though I was international communications manager, it was kind of like the go-to person on campus for anything social. So um, kind of trying to summarize it in a way, I think the chat was the challenge. Would it be correct to say that the challenge at the time was like really finding a way to use this new technology to engage students or other parts of the university finding that the traditional channels were not really engaging students? Like what was the problem you were brought in a to solve? A little bit of both uh, with, yeah. with, with the international side of it. Um, and, and for anyone listening, like we, you know, at, at the university I was at at the time, we had students from all over the world with, ranging in English level skill for, from, right. you know, I can go straight to classes to right. I just need a maybe a, a semester of extra help with intensive English to I'm day one. I, I, I can I can say my name is and that's about it. Yeah. So we're trying to meet the needs of that spectrum of international students. And right. we were noticing like checking email open rates. Nobody was open their email. Yeah. Now, as, as a as a native speaker, like I have a master's degree in English. Like I had trouble keeping up with my university email and how much stuff was coming in. Wow. Imagine yes. if you are a an international student in an intensive English program, you're still learning the language. There are these emails that are absolutely vital for your immigration status, yeah. you know, all sorts of things that you really need, but you're also getting the just water hose of university emails and having to filter through that, things are going to get lost in the shuffle, even if you're trying. And a lot of the students weren't trying. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, no, no fault to them, but you know. No, it's always uh, it's always the email sender's fault. I'll just stand on my soapbox for a moment because I am obsessed with email. As most people know, yeah, email could be better. Let's move on. So <laughs> with, with that, it was like, okay, how do we get this information to them in a way that they can 
under easily understand, don't have to filter right. through. And social media worked for that. But we also worked with the intensive English program to say, okay, we're going to create a video with students oh. sharing like this information they need to know about, you know, immigration information, taxes, whatever, mm-hmm. boring sub- subjects. Can you share this in your class and make it a part of your curriculum? Okay. So it would, it, they would, they'd watch the video in one of their intensive English classes. They'd have a teacher there with them, like, oh, what are the key points here? Yada, yada, yada. But also helps them almost, you know, as like first year experience, like, oh, pre first year experience. Right, right, right. You know, like, oh, here's how you get these resources at the university. So that really helped. And as that worked really well for international students, other departments quickly were like, well, how can we apply the same thing to the right. advising center? You know, how do we get students to show up for their advising appointments? Can we use social for that? Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting consistently confused by all the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction, and even worse, melt. You knew this would happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come-to-Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem, though. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software, or Adriana from admissions, who just got set up with her new CRM, or Isabel from IT, who is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if... You could come to the table with a solution that did not require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike. Well, my friend, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface, tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes systems like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their higher ed journey from prospect to alum. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT, etc., can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that day from Talking Tactics sent you their way. It's the classic, hey, I have this idea, I think we should try something, and then you immediately get noticed, and that's how things kind of grow, right? What I love about this is you didn't just think about, hey, like, maybe the channel isn't working, but it's also the way we're presenting the content. So you, you kind of took advantage of the strengths of having basically the ability to share multimedia on social and meeting them where they are, right? Which is this device that they're holding in their hand. 
That's incredible. Exactly. I kept yeah. saying it's a tool and not a toy. How can we show them to use it as a tool and not a toy? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. And like, why did you think it could work? Did you, did you just have a hunch? It's a gut instinct. I knew what worked for me and I knew, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had trouble going through all these emails, but there was this new thing called Facebook and, totally. you know, how can I use that? Um, I'm on it all the time. I, I can tell the students, some of the students are on it and some are not. And also at the time, students were still using Facebook. So it was like, yeah, maybe we need to show them how to use this because this is also once they leave IEP, how they're going to connect with their peers. You know, right. that was how you found out what was going on on campus. Right, uh, maybe right. not so much anymore, but back then that was that was still the case. My, your, your, our parents hadn't gotten on there yet. That's right. It was still cool back then. We promise. We promise to any Gen Zs listening. We were cool. <laughs> um, okay, so what what did you need to implement this? I mean, creating Facebook pages is free, but in order to kind of start communicating this way with students, did you need to have approval? Did you have backing resources? I needed a camera and some editing software, which mm -hmm. I, I self-funded, and I would not recommend anybody doing that today. Don't do it. Like, don't yes. do it. You just ask for it. But that—that's really all. All it took. Um, I, you know, it was is a bit more ask for forgiveness rather than permission at the time. I feel like um, that's the that's the norm with these tactic ideas. I I, <laughs> I tried to play, and I I you know wanted to be by the book, so did contact like university marketing and web development mm -hmm. who were running the university social at the time, like, Hey, what do I need to do to be, be sure I'm playing by, by branding guidelines and doing everything. And, yeah. and once you do that and you open that door, they're like, Oh, thank you. Because there's so many people out there trying to do it without that. So, right. um, yeah. that was about all the permission I really had to ask for. And very low resources really. Right. I mean, it was just pivoting to this new technology, right? Exactly. Just using my phone and my, my personal camera. Yeah. Again, ask for the resources, but very low, very low resource tactic. So, okay. You were in this, you were international communications manager, you're kind of doing this for your, your program, your students, other people are picking it up. What are the results that you saw? Was there more engagement? Were there more students? Was there more retention? A, a little a bit of all of the above. Yeah. Um, you know, the comment thread became really useful where students would ask questions about you know, I-20s and, and upcoming mm. events and things like yeah. that. We saw an uptick in student attendance at events that we held for them. Wow. Uh, and then even as when students came in, we, we gave them a surveys, you know, at, of the process, you know, before you got to the States, like, yes, the Facebook page was very useful to us. It was yeah. actually a factor in the decision for us to come here. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So yeah, those sort of things were really impactful. I was like, okay, well, we need, we need to keep this up. This is working. Well, talk about walking the walk with saying personalized attention, wraparound support. Like that was actually what was happening, right? Right. Exactly. And, and for like retention too, you know, we had like orientation for international students, but it happened like two days after they got here. You know, imagine yeah. like you, you land in a foreign country yeah. and you're still like getting over your jet lag and you've got all of this information about university just thrown at you. Yeah. You know, you're going to forget most of it. So having oh, that totally. throughout the year, like reminders, okay, hey, remember this from orientation, this is happening now. Um, was really beneficial as well. Yeah. And that's honestly something a lot of people don't think about is even just timing, right? Like we, when you grow up in North America, the, the timing of when school starts and ends and college starts and ends, like that's something that you've just experienced for 18 straight years, right? Uh, or, or more. 
but it doesn't it isn't the same in other countries like semesters start on different months and like even just that you have no idea you're supposed to be doing something in august because it's always been the vacation month right like yeah i i have a little ptsd i guess <laughs> so okay um what i love about this story js is that you know back in you know 15 years ago you're like let's let's try this like you had no idea it would turn into this social media being this huge part of how we know you even, right? Mm -hmm. So how would you describe the impact of trying that thing 15 years ago on your career today? Oh, man, it it, it totally changed. I was going to go back and get my PhD. I, I didn't I get the PhD. Didn't happen. <laughs> I'm not teaching literature. I, I'm doing, you know, I, I'm making my money in 280 characters or less. Um, but oh, I yeah, love that. It, it totally... <laughs> It cha changed what I, I do and what I wanted to do mm -hmm. and um, also solved this as a tool for, for myself and professional development mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. that uh, how I, I could put myself out there and even further my own career, which we can discuss a little bit yeah, uh, definitely. about. I had my first performance review and I was still teaching at the time and and the, the director said to me, she said, you know, you're doing really great. Why aren't you doing more professional development? And I didn't want to give her the honest answer, which was, well, you rejected my last two requests to go to conferences and you still haven't reimbursed me for the one that you accepted. Oh, uh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. I was like, well, yeah, that's why that's I'm not why. doing it. Um, but that kind of stuck with me. And also the idea of like publish or perish. I was going to get my, my PhD. I, mm -hmm. You want to publish. So when I was working on these things for the international office, I was like, how can I share this? Mm -hmm. what we're doing here. Cause I, I don't mm -hmm. see anybody else doing this at the time. Mm -hmm. So I looked for opportunities to go out and present, you know, started at regional conferences for like, uh, associations for international students. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for there, there's organizations for ESL, things like that, going out and presenting there and saying, well, you, Hey, I am presenting and I've got a discount, so maybe I can get that funding to go. Yeah. Um, I'm on the then, program. I'm going to have to be there. Uh, <laughs> and then I did a poster session at uh, Hyatt Web one year. Yes. And yes. That, was, that was really the catalyst for me. That was seeing the enthusiasm there mm -hmm. and seeing other people doing social media professionally. It was like the, the click went off in my brain. It's like, you know what? Of all the things I do for, for my job as international communications manager, social is where I want to be. And yes. I want to do this for a university. Yeah. And I, I went back home with the resolve of like a year from now, I don't know if I'm going to be doing, I'm going to change my career. I'm not going to be just doing it for the international office and at, at the admissions office or, or what, whoever, just the default person. I'm going to run it for the university. And if that's at the university I'm at now, great. If it's not, I'm going to do it somewhere. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't at the, they didn't have that position at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so went to Texas State University and was mm -hmm. their first full-time social media manager. So, oh man, I think, I think that's just so incredible because, you know, we've had, this show has had a few episodes of Tactic Ideas kind of claiming that, hey, if you do some of these things, you might get noticed, right? And it might kind of lead you it might lead help you in your career, but sometimes that doesn't quite happen internally, right? Like sometimes we have to go out and seek that for ourselves. And I just love that you share that part of the story, which is, okay, if within my own community, which are, they're appreciating it, they're understanding it, but that's about as, as far as it's going to go. There's this whole community of higher education professionals 
hundreds of other like really awesome people, thousands of really awesome people that want to hear from you. They want to learn from you. They want to notice you. They want to see you succeed. So I just love that you you just did that for yourself. You have to because nobody else is going to do it for <laughs> you. Like, I, yeah, I always I always say that when I feel like I'm bragging too much. It's like if I don't if I don't do this for myself, no one's going to pay attention to what I accomplish. So, yeah, it is it is what it is. <laughs> um. So okay, after you kind of went back with that resolve, what has your career looked like since? Oh man, it's 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 changed. Completely. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I went back at, at some point, the university I was working at did open that role. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go back to my hometown a little bit. And I, I, yeah. I took that on, uh, which was, was great. And, um, but during COVID, you know, I got a little burnt out on just oh, a full yeah. year of crisis comms and, yeah, you know, didn't really feel like I was getting that support. It felt more, you know, I wasn't being listened to as like, okay, this is what we need to do. It was more like post this now, post this thing. And and despite all of my feelings of like, hey, maybe this is not the best thing to post sometimes, mm-hmm. I was just getting – I was still dealing with the repercussions of all of the mm-hmm. negative comments, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife just said, you know what? You've got about 10,000 Twitter followers right now. Mm-hmm. What if you just quit your job and put out there that you're looking for something different? And oh, wow. I thought, that's, that's, that's brave of her. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, good for, you know, it, it was this thing where we had been living off what my salary for a long time. She had just gotten a mm-hmm. job. She's like, hey, you, you take a turn, <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, I love that. And, yeah. um, but I put it out there on, on my, my Twitter feed and I was expecting to stay in higher ed, uh, yeah. maybe going into the vendor space rather than university space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put it out there and my DMS were almost full within, you know, a couple hours. And one of them was somebody from Amazon prime video that said, Hey, from your Twitter feed, I can tell, you know, social, you also are into comic books. Would you be interested in, and freelancing on this new show we have called invincible? And I, I jumped on that and that just, that changed everything from there. Uh, started doing more entertainment projects, um, got to work on some other mm-hmm. shows, uh, got hired by a company called Chaotic Good Studios that does franchise management, got to work on some, they they were like, hey, we get to work on Lord of the Rings. I'm like, sign me up. How do you say no to that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So what I, it's just honestly, having kind of been watching your career for at least the last five years, right? Like we've been connected online for a bit. I like I as I said earlier, kind of jokingly, but also 100% true, like to a lot of us, you are the social media authority for for higher ed. And like, how how would you say you got to that point? A part of that, I think for for me, like I said, it all comes back to like my original plan of like, I'm going to get my PhD and teach literature. And that idea of publish or perish was in my head. And and when I was asked to switch from faculty to staff, that never left. You know, I was looking at this and I'm like, especially like looking at the homepage, you look at every day, every news items, like professor so-and-so presented at such and such conference, professor so-and-so appeared on a podcast. I'm thinking like, man, I, I was 
presented at a conference. I was on like three podcasts this year. Why are we not celebrating our staff the way we celebrate our faculty? I think we represent the university just as much. And I actually went to, to, to one of my supervisors who's actually, you know, was the media relations person. I said, Hey, why don't we brag about our own department the way we brag about other departments? Like we should be doing that. Uh, she's like, well, write the press release. I'm like, okay. You know, so I went to high ed web and presented like, <laughs> and you wrote university the social media. Yes. <laughs> presents at conference. And because we, we have, because my feeling was I'm going to these meetings with faculty and these people are incredibly intelligent and they are mm-hmm. in, and you know, they, they deserve the kudos that they have, but sometimes mm-hmm. there can be that feeling of, well, you don't have a PhD. So what do mm-hmm. you know? And like may they do read the homepage. So mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not doing this so much to justify my career, but when I go into that meeting with that faculty member, mm-hmm. they know I'm doing those things as well. Mm-hmm. And I am an authority, I am an authority in my field, just mm-hmm. as you're an authority in your field. So please mm-hmm. let's have some mutual respect here, you yeah. know? Um, and that doesn't always work. Um, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the person. Uh, there were right. some people up at the top that were like, why is this person, you know, always Right, you know, not yeah. right, or, or who do they think they are tweeting about social yeah. media strategy? It's like I, I'm just trying to share what I know and be a good citizen of my professional community. Yeah, and I um, honestly, I think that's key, right? Like, and that's one of those consistent values of of the most successful people in higher ed. It's you. You learned a lot, but you share everything you've learned, and that's why so many of us have learned from you and know you. Um, so thank you for all that sharing. Well, I, I I learned just as much sharing, as, uh, you know. That's right. To, to me, it's like it, it helps me process my own thoughts a little bit, and I learn right. from others as people reply. And it, it, it just as a tool for professional development, not just for for one for learning about your profession, but also you know building your own brand and advancing in your profession. It's just a tool that I, I think is absolutely vital. Yeah, I I would completely agree with that. So we're coming up to the end of our episode here. And I want to ask you um, for our listeners, and and if you think about our listeners as 2008 JS, you know, John Stephen is sitting there thinking about what do I do with this new technology? We have new technology upon us right now. What advice do you have for those early career higher ed professionals? Get out there. You know, you have ideas. Some are going to work. Some are not. Um, don't be afraid to get out there and talk about what you're doing. If you, even on year one, you have experiences and insights that are valuable to the entire higher ed community. 100%. If you're comfortable putting that out there and sharing, by all means do it. Go speak at a conference. Don't say like, oh, I don't know enough about X or I'm, I, I've only been working in higher ed for one or two years now. Even that perspective of somebody mm-hmm. who's fresh onto the higher ed scene mm-hmm. is valuable for us all. You know, we need those reminders. We, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, conferences need the the higher level experienced speakers, but they also need the 101 mm-hmm. um, just basics. So get out there and start doing it. Um, it's rewarding on so many levels. And, and, and whether or not you think you have something to share, you, you, you do. You have valuable insights. Go, go put it out there. And what advice do you have for folks that want to start building that personal brand? What, what are some of the things that you would recommend? Uh, for me, it's just about consistency and making it mm-hmm. a part of your daily routine. 
Um, mm-hmm. I try to post at least once a day, whether or not it's going to be good or, you know, it, it's so, so easy for us to be like, oh, this is not <laughs> like, uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. And it will get better as you yeah. create more and more. So just, just start and, you know, share your thoughts and share your ideas. Talk about what you're doing each day. Uh, you never know who's listening. I, I think that's the scary thing. I think high school students really get it drilled in. Like, don't post too much on social media because that might prevent yeah. you from getting. You never know who's listening. I say, hey, you never know who's listening. Yeah, it's a good. Be, it could be a good thing, right? Yeah. And that's what worked for me. You know, there's somebody yeah. at Amazon Prime Video that was like, hey, let's hire this guy. Um, and yeah. you, you just, you just never know. So, put put yourself out there. Go for it. That's great advice. Great advice. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being on this special release episode of Talking Tactics. I love being able to trace the success back. I know your success is not just due to one single tactic, but what I love is that one moment many, many years ago that just opened up this entire other possibility, this realm of possibility for you, and how awesome that's been to watch you in that journey. It's been been quite, quite... Yeah, quite a journey. So I'm, gl- I'm glad it's happened. It's not what I expected, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Well, and neither would any of us. We wouldn't have you as our, say it louder for people in the back, representative. <laughs> uh, thank you so, so much. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you for sharing your story and your advice. And to our listeners out there, I hope you're a little bit braver now. Keep walking the walk and talking the tactics. Thank you for listening to Talking Tactics. If you're inspired by what you heard today, I want to know. Find me on LinkedIn by searching for my name. That's Diana Kibilds, D-A-Y-A-N-A-K-I-B-I-L-D-S. And if you're enjoying Talking Tactics, please rate and review the show because there is nothing I love more than a good grade and positive reinforcement. Finally, If you just can't get enough good content, check out the other Enrollify Network podcasts for more higher ed marketing and admissions knowledge and inspiration. Season two of Talking Tactics is coming this January. Until next time, keep walking the walk and talking the tactics.